Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 181 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a developer advocate at Google, working with the Chrome team to develop and promote web standards and developer tools. Prior to Google, he worked at Lanyard on their mobile website and for the BBC on JavaScript libraries and standards. He says that he wants the web to do what native does best and fast. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. Jake Archibald. Hello, how's it going? Good, yes, and thank you for joining me. Oh, no problem. So the first thing I really wanted to ask you was, could you perhaps give us a bit of an understanding of what your current role with Google is as a developer advocate? I mean, one of the things I really like about the job is it's it's really varied. It's kind of varied day-to-day, uh, but it's also varied between people on the team. So what do I do? So last year we released a tool called Squoosh, which is squoosh.app is the URL, uh, which is like an image compression tool for the web. And so that's a very dev rally thing to do on this team because we were building uh, building an actual web app. We were showing how to build something fast. Uh, we were showing off new things the browser could do because it's doing image processing in the browser by you know, using the codecs from C and Rust. But we're also building a tool that developers can actually use to make images smaller, which makes the web faster. So that project was unusual in that it kind of managed to cram so many of the things together. Other stuff we do, we help fix bugs in Chrome, help identify them. Some of us work on web standards, which is one of the things I do, particularly the service worker spec, but I sort of hang out on the uh, HTML spec and the fetch spec as well. Sure. So presumably your role as well is partly to do with promoting Google? I try and convince myself that I'm paid by Google to promote the web uh, rather than anything Google-specific. Now, <laughs> right. some people might be listening to that and, uh, and thinking, that's, that's nonsense. They might be right. But I, I, I do try, and I try to promote the web fairly. And that includes praising other browsers when they get stuff right, working with other browsers to on the web standard stuff like some of the stuff that uh standard stuff i worked on was released first in other browsers so we make sure we promote them and give them as much uh publicity as we would for if chrome was first i'm not forced to be positive about other google products um i don't know i, I someone asked me yesterday like do I tweet differently now I'm at Google than if I wasn't? And that's probably true. There's probably times I bite my tongue then <laughs> rather than complain <laughs> if it's a Google thing. But I try I try to be fair. And, you know, I've, I've got sort of big opinions on some of the things Google's done in the past and relatively recently that I, that I don't entirely agree with. Not a day goes past that I still think Google was stupid in uh, dropping Google Reader. I know that's the famous one, but it still hurts. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm definitely aware that Google doesn't get everything right, and I, I don't feel the need to defend it, unless I believe it. <laughs> and before Google as well, you, you've worked at the BBC, for example, and again, that was very much on web standards? Yeah, I, I mean, I went to the BBC not long after university. It was my second paid tech job, and the other one was 
mostly an internship. It started off as making web pages for TV shows. And then I started to do more JavaScript work. And it, the kind of big project I spent, I guess, most of my time at the BBC was doing a, a JavaScript library, which ended up running on on pretty much every BBC page. Like it, it was essentially a jQuery clone with UI components on top. Uh, at the time, we couldn't just use jQuery because we had a larger amount of browsers that we had to support. The rules that we had at the BBC at the time was like we we could ask people to upgrade their browser. We couldn't ask them to use a different browser. We could ask them to upgrade their browser unless it cost them money to do so. And that landed us with having to support Safari 1.3 for a really long time because to get the next version of Safari, you would have to buy the next version of OS X. So our numbers were high enough there that we couldn't ignore those users and we couldn't ask them to upgrade as well. Yeah, that, that's um, an interesting point, um, particularly for something like the BBC, which is, I suppose, the way it's funded and the way it's run makes it more difficult for them to sort of discard older technologies. Yeah, absolutely. And accessibility was uh, an important thing as well. Like we took the legal requirement there very seriously. And so we tried to, to include that in in everything we did. So, Jake, can you perhaps share with us a top career tip, one that the audience may not know and perhaps should? The tip that made me successful is being in the right place at the right time. I know that's not a great tip because it's not repeatable, but <laughs> I often think that successful people, they want to think that they were masters of their destiny and that the, the things they did were all the, the good things and they were all the things that got them to where they are. I don't believe that's true. There's a, a, a tweet that I, I've repeated many times because it really hit home for me. Uh, they said, uh, entrepreneurs giving advice is like someone telling you which numbers they use to win the lottery. And it's like, yes, it worked for them on that day, but will it work tomorrow? Uh, probably not. I guess it's inherently a, a, a bias in, in, in this podcast is you're, you're interviewing successful people and the steps they did, you could probably interview hundreds of people who took very similar or the same steps and didn't achieve the same. But I, if I was to, to try and think of one that I, that I think is repeatable, repeatable advice, um, you don't need to know everything. It's something I, I stressed about as I started getting into the web because it, the web was quite small when I started. Like You couldn't do that much of the web. You could, in a couple of years, learn most of CSS, most of HTML, most of what JavaScript can do. And then it sort of exploded. Like We've got so many APIs now. And I struggled for a while to come to terms with that I, I don't need to know all of it. It took me a long time, for instance, to get my head around IndexedDB. It didn't, it didn't stop my career <laughs> until I did. No. Um, WebGL is still an entirely sealed shut unit of information I'm, I'm convinced I will never know. Maybe that will change, but <laughs> it's something I'm convinced I, I don't have the capability to ever know, and it, it hasn't stopped me. Yeah, that's very true. Okay, Jake, can you share with us your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? When I first started in industry, I was an intern at Reuters uh, doing intranet work for the, their HR department. And it was so valuable because it was it got me to London, which was really important uh, for me because I live in a small town on the Scottish border, uh, but on the English side, uh, called Carlisle. And there's not a lot of tech there. I went to university in Middlesbrough and, uh, you know, in the Northeast, there is some tech, but not, not loads. Uh, so landing this internship in London was was a huge 
a huge thing for me. It also just taught me how to work. Well, just how to work, really, because I'd only done university stuff before <laughs> that, which is very different. But after university, I went back and, and worked there full time. And the, I was given this task of importing some data into one of their intranet sites, like some job postings. And I, I, I did this, like, I found that the server supported Perl. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know any Perl, but it was the only thing that could access the outside web for some reason. A, a lot of their VB script stuff was shut down, but I'd found this way through and I was able to write this code that scraped their careers site, which was more complicated than it sounds due to how the website worked with cookies. But anyway, I managed to get all this data copied onto the internal site and cached in an efficient way. And everyone was really happy with that. And I felt proud of that. And then the next day, they had received a shipment of mice, computer mice for their computers. And they asked me, I said, oh, you know, Jake, can you help install these? You know, so I went around and plugged some mice in. And they were really happy about that. In fact, they were equally happy, if not maybe more happy than the thing I was really proud of, the Pearl <laughs> hack. And that, that was a sort of, uh, I don't know if it was the worst moment, but it was a moment where I realized that I need to do something about it, right? I'm not going to grow in this particular role. Right. Um, there wasn't anyone else there to learn from with the stuff I, I wanted to do. And there was no real appreciation for the kind of stuff I was doing. So that, 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 was, a, that was a defining moment. Yeah, so you learned the limitations of that role. Yeah, yeah. But the true, the, the probably the, the worst career moment, which I don't know if I did learn anything from, I broke iPlayer. I broke iPlayer, mate, for an entire evening. <laughs> Right. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, iPlayer is like the video service that BBC uses, like online streaming thing. It's quite popular. A lot of people use it. It is. A lot of people were quite upset when they couldn't use it. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, and it was it was all down to it was this JavaScript library I was running at the time. We deployed a new version of it, or so we thought. Uh, we deployed it. We tested it, uh, and we tested it again, and nothing was broken. Uh, deploying at the BBC at the time meant FTP, <laughs> dragging yep. and dropping files. And so we were, we were like, all right, that's sorted. And then a couple of weeks later, maybe even longer, it turned out what had happened is it hadn't really uploaded properly or it uploaded to one of the servers in the cluster of servers. And this one server was was offline. It wasn't in the main cluster. And what had happened at 7 o'clock in the evening is the cluster of servers coming, kind of like, oh, that server over there is not it's not being used we should let's get that server back in because you know more more the merrier yeah that's what i think so the server comes back in and i was like hey hello everyone i'm i've been away for a bit but i'll tell you what i have got i've got a new version of all this javascript stuff so if you want to uh all start using that that would be great and there was a bug uh-huh so yeah weeks after we deployed the real deployment happened <laughs> and iplayer went effectively down. A JavaScript error stopped everything from working. And I felt terrible about it because I, well, I felt like it's not our fault. This is a, a deployment system screwed us over. But um, the, you know, the boss of iPlayer didn't see it like that. So we were, we were, <laughs> I'm sure we were quite, quite blamed uh, for the outage, yeah. which is probably fair. So I guess what I, what I learned from that is um, better integration <laughs> pays off. Yes. If we would, if we'd been able to confirm a lot, uh, a lot more that the the version of the JavaScript library that we had deployed had actually deployed, then that wouldn't have happened. iPlayer would have maybe gone down for ten minutes while we realized that and 
yeah. and uh, reverse the deployment. So there's a bit of a gap in the deployment sort of verification process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and we could have had stuff there. I guess we could have found some way to make sure that the version that we deployed is the version we expected. I guess some sort of you know, hashing thing yeah. or just you know, comparing byte for byte. Uh, that is that what was on live was what we expected. But when you're dealing with minified code, you're like, oh, that looks about right. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> and we weren't deploying like a new feature. It was just bug fixes. So it was difficult to sort of go, oh, where's, where's the feature we expected to be there? But yeah, yeah, I still wake up sweating about that moment. But <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So uh, moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? It's a relatively small thing, but contributing to the HTML spec was a huge moment for me. Sort of having my name in the spec at the bottom of uh, people who've contributed to it, having features that I can say like, oh yeah, that was that was me and it's in browsers uh, as a result. Like, because I, you know, when I started on the web, I was just tinkering around in, in Netscape. And then as I was going through university, I was learning more about what the browsers could do. I started learning about standards. I started following people who did standards. And, you know, the HTML spec was this sort of impenetrable thing, you know, but this is where this is where everything is. This is what defines how everything works. So to get to a point where I was now contributing to that was it was a huge moment. And and I guess part of it is I do I believe the web will outlive me. I certainly hope it does. And I hope that's not because I die really young. Like I hope it's <laughs> I hope I hope I live long and, and HTML lives longer. And so to, to think that, you know, the, the stuff I did will outlive me. Which was never true with the work I was doing at agencies, right? We were making stuff. I really enjoyed working at agencies and, and at the BBC. But you know, I, I knew that this stuff was was relatively short term. But yeah. that, that stuff in the HTML spec, I yeah. So you I hope you leave a legacy a in some way. <laughs> yeah, God, it sounds really. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds awful now when you put it like that, but I guess that is what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jay, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? For my particular part of IT, I guess the, the web is, well, JavaScript's still growing. I think it's like the most popular language, or if it's, it's very close. It's between like JavaScript and Python. I think it is like it's, it's really boomed, and it's not really showing any signs of stopping. JavaScript's getting way better. Browsers are getting faster and better. Yet there's still lots of problems to solve. So that, that, yeah, that's what I'm really excited about. There's, uh, if you look at where the web was 10 years ago, the thought of what are we going to do in the next 10 years? Like in 10 years' time, we're going to look at the web now and think, you know, wow, this is this looks so ancient. And so I, I would love to know where we are in, in 10 years and sort of being part of that. I find that really exciting. Yeah. I think you're right. I think there's so much that could potentially happen and being able to sort of retrospectively look back. I mean, if you look back now at what there was 10 years ago, you probably couldn't really understand how we got from where we were to where we are today. Early on at the BBC, my, I built my career by knowing how Internet Explorer worked. And it was less about standards. It was I knew Internet Explorer. So I was able to, like, people were, I'd be called to other teams. So like, we've got this bug. What is it? And it's like, yeah, I know that one. You do this to solve it. Job done. And that information's still in my head, and it's absolutely useless now. Like it's just <laughs> it's a waste of space, a, a waste of cells in my brain. And so I, it'd be interesting to know what, yeah, what else is going to be <laughs> taking yes. up space in my brain that I no longer need in ten years' time. Probably a lot of CSS, like how to do layouts with floats and stuff. That's that's bordering useless now. 
so yeah, who knows what will be next. So we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? Okay. All right. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I mean, I was given a computer at a relatively young age. Well, I, it, I was, I'm going to say seven years old, which I guess now is an old age, but uh, at the time, at the time it felt young. And so I quickly found I enjoyed making things that had a tight feedback loop in, in terms of something visual appearing. And this was just like doing graphical stuff, uh, you know, v- very basic programming, and then like, you know, doing animation work. I think I fancied myself as a designer, uh, but turns out I wasn't very good at it. So I got <laughs> out of that pretty quickly. So when when the, I saw the web, and it's like, oh, I can look at these amazing things, and I can view source, and I can start tinkering and making changes. I think that's when I fell in love with the web. It's like, it's yeah, tight feedback loop, visual changes. I can go and look at existing stuff. Yeah. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? I worked for a few years in game. Uh, this is a, oh, a computer game store uh, in the UK. I think they're still around, I think. And I walked into the, the back of the store to, to pick up a game for a customer. And my, my boss was there just sort of sat on the steps with his head in his hands. And I was like, I said, Jason, is everything, everything okay? And he, he just sort of looked up at me and he said, get out of retail, get out while you can and that that advice sort of uh, hit me hard and and sort of i thought right that's i mean uh, retail is one of the hardest jobs in the world right like yes. it's, it's it's that terrible thing where the hardest jobs are always the worst paid where like things things like nursing are, are the peak of that um but retail is definitely up there and so seeing sort of how how he was and i was like yeah i don't i do this for money i don't love it so i could very easily end up the same. Right. <laughs> that, um, so was that your last role in retail? It was, although I I worked there for a few years after that, basically because I, I went to university and it was a job I could transfer into the university town and just do a few hours a week, yeah. enough to buy DVDs. I, was, I had quite the DVD collection. That was what I spent my money on. <laughs> if I, yeah, if what, what I had at the end of the week after beer and food uh yeah i'd buy myself a dvd because i felt like my dvd collection defined me as a person and i needed to make sure i had the right dvds on my shelf (laughs) and conversely what is the worst career advice you've ever received i was probably by the deputy manager at game who said i should go into management right (laughs) in retail (laughs) And, and thankfully I received those two pieces of advice in the correct order. Um, I'd been told to get out of retail. So by the time I was like, oh, yeah, have you ever thought about going into management? Nope. <laughs> That's <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> if you were to begin your IT career again right now in today's world, what would you do? So like I said, I, I concentrated very much on visual stuff, the the, the tight feedback loop in, in terms of getting something on screen. And as such... I feel like I don't know enough low-level stuff. And especially now that that's, that's coming to the web, we, well, things like WebGL, very close to the graphics processor. With WebAssembly, you, you, you can write C and be very close to the, the CPU. And it's stuff that I, I'm struggling with right now. I'm muddling my way through. I wish I had a bit more of a grounding in that. 
So if I had my time again, I would consider doing more of a computer science course than a uh, multimedia course, which is what I, what I actually did. But then, I mean, there's a whole butterfly effect thing, right? If I did that, it would probably change my career quite a lot. I might not have gone into the web. Maybe I'd have been more successful. Maybe I'd have been more successful, but more miserable. Maybe I'd be happier. Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Uh, my primary objective right now is do not get promoted into misery. Um, I've, I, I'm lucky enough to be promoted a, a couple of times while I've been here at Google. And I've, I've seen a trend in terms of having to take on more, my boss calls it direction setting. And I find that very unnatural and I'm being encouraged to do more of it. I, I worry that if I got promoted again, it might take me further away from the stuff I like and more into the stuff that I don't like. So yeah, it's I, I'm I'm trying to hold that stuff back. And if it gets bad, I would look to make a side sideways move. In terms of projects that I'm focusing on, web performance is still really what what I care about. So it's trying to to find out the things that that make the web slow, uh, that make websites slow, which tools are not quite up to scratch. I think a lot of the bundling tools we use right now are easy to get wrong. So that's one of the things we're looking at is like, what, what can we do there to improve things? And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Speaking, conference speaking, easy answer. Absolutely. I wouldn't be where I am today without that. It was through um, working at the BBC, someone I knew there, uh, her partner ran a conference, uh, so I sort of was friends with with him through her, and got into conference speaking. But you know, he ran this conference. He was like, "You're you're working on stuff at the BBC. You seem like you could speak. Uh, do you want to give it a go?" And I had at school like d- done presenting. I, I was in a band, so like <laughs> some some of the skills were there. But really, uh, from that conference, I got invited to another conference, and the next year I got invited to another two, and. That's what got me employed at Google, I would say. like w- Without the speaking thing behind behind me, I wouldn't have become known by the people who uh, eventually employed me. So how many events have you actually spoken at? Presumably you're traveling all over the place as a part of your role. It's either 10 years or 11 years I've been speaking. At the start, it was like one event a year, and then it ended up at some points being like six or seven. I've tried to rein it in a little bit now, Mostly because, like, you know, I can I can write a talk, and if I give it at the right conference, like somewhere where I was going to record it properly, it's now on YouTube. Like, I don't need to tour the world giving the same thing. I, I sometimes use it as an excuse to go to places I've not been before to to learn more about the tech community there, and so that's really handy because it it means I can go there and actually speak to developers. One of the things I really like about speaking at a conference is people will speak to you afterwards, uh, and I, I I find you know as a typical introvert kind of thing yeah you know, i can't i struggle to walk into a room and and strike a conversation so to throw myself on stage and speak for 40 minutes and then people come up to me and start conversations based on that is a it's a, it's a very complicated way to break the ice but it does work <laughs> yeah i suppose you take the pain all in one go yes yes absolutely um and really it's you know speaking on a stage is 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 easier i find speaking on a stage uh, as an introvert easier than speaking to a small group of people at a meetup. So as weird as it sounds, it, it does, it is that way around for me. 
And what do you do to keep your own career energized? Uh, I, I try and embrace procrastination as much as time allows. <laughs> right. I think you might need to expand on that. <laughs> yeah. It's. <laughs> I I found that some of the the things that I've done that I'm most proud of a lot of them I did to avoid doing the thing I should have been doing at the time. And so before Google, it was stuff that I was doing in my spare time. Now I am lucky enough to be in a job that does encourage that to a degree, or you can get away with it, right? <laughs> if, uh, I, I can, it's like, oh, I finished that thing earlier than I expected, right? I'm going to do some, I can do some procrastinating or like this thing's, yeah, I'm going to be finished in time. So I've got this blog post in my head. I want to write this guide to something. I'll just go and do it. Uh, recently, I, I wrote a blog post where I went and compared all of the uh, Formula One websites uh, on the oh, different yeah. teams and, and compared the performance of each of them. And it took, uh, I guess, a, a day and a half, maybe a little bit longer to get together. It was yep. quite, a, quite a long post. But it was, it, well, it felt really successful. People enjoyed seeing kind of how I would go and assess these websites enjoyed seeing like the kinds of things that sites were having problems with. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was totally to avoid, gosh, what, what would have been at the time? Probably uh, Google IO. I was uh, supposed to be getting ready for, get an app ready for Google IO and just uh, took some time out to do this other thing. Yes. I realized that's such a, a, a privileged thing to say. I know a lot of people aren't able to do that. I, I wasn't able to do that, but it is, is what I do to if I if I find myself just stuck in a rut and I'm not making progress on the thing I should be doing because I'm just bored, I try and go like, okay, let's let's just go and take half a day, go and do something else, and quite often it, it does lead somewhere good. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? Uh, it sounds boring, but I really I really like walking. Uh, so if I if I get a spare day, spending that. Yeah, just walking through the countryside. I also like going to the pub. So walking to the pub is a good combination of those two yes. things. <laughs> right. um, there's a there's a, a walk that I do pretty much once a year, where it's uh, from Hayward Heath, where I live, to Lewis, and, and I think that's like it's a good fifteen miles, if not longer. But there's four pubs along the way, and on a, a decent sunny day, I loved love doing that. And we've was a a growing group of us that go that do that walk every year now. So I do especially like that, but yeah, I guess I, I do enjoy wasting time as well. I, I've, my partner was away last week, the week before, uh, whatever. So I had the house to myself. I was also working on a bit of a weird week. I was doing a sprint on service worker stuff. The team who do that are in Tokyo. So I, I decided to be on their time zone a little bit more. So I was like getting up, really early starting work at seven in the morning but you know i I would finish early as a result i I didn't really know what to do with myself my partner being away so i was doing some exercise i was cooking a meal and then i was just like playing games and watching tv for the rest of the evening i got into a real routine for that and after the end of the week i was like it it felt like rehab (laughs) like that amount of structure um my girlfriend wasn't happy when i told her that i was like no no you're you're great as well <laughs> but for that little bit of time i actually found it i, I found it really therapeutic it, it was a yes. good reset uh, and i felt energized for the the, the next week which was a, a little bit less structured jay can you share a parting piece of career advice with the it career energizer audience so 
at school, my art teacher used to say, you get better at art. It was oh, for paintings. She would say it for like, for, you get better at painting with every painting you paint. And for me, that was not true. I stayed terrible. but i think the message is good (laughs) i i think it is true with coding and like building stuff uh, for the web like every time i do it i get better at it how to put this into practice is is difficult i mean i got good at what i do because i did it in my spare time it's kind of sad in some ways like that to have to plow so much of your spare time into it but now i don't have to so much i I kind of get to to build those skills on the job um So I would say that if you feel like you're not getting that kind of turnaround on projects where you're getting to start things fresh, build for a bit, and then like throw it away, then doing that in your spare time is really valuable. I mean, working at an agency, I got to do that as part of my job because it was short form, short form projects. And then at the BBC, I got experience of doing more longer running projects. But yeah, having experience in, in those, being able to do that really that's how i got good at coding yeah and finally what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you uh i mostly post nonsense on twitter and uh so i'm quite active there so i am jaffa the cake on twitter i also have jakearchibald.com is my blog and that links off to twitter and github as well if anyone wants to get in touch i had my Direct messages are open on Twitter, so if you have any questions, yeah, people can reach out like that. My email address is jakearchibald.google.com, so people can reach me there as well. Jake, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's episode and to my guest career tips, advice, and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e, and then the number of today's episode. And a quick reminder that the show has now three episodes every week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show to get new episodes automatically downloaded. Also, don't forget to join the IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. You'll get to engage with other like-minded people get to find out more about upcoming guests and other episodes and can get involved in the future direction of the podcast. It really is a great pleasure to be able to talk to so many inspirational people from across the industry and to be able to share their stories and advice with you. Thanks for listening and remember if you're not growing your career you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.